Morning, Miss Evelyn. Good morning, Toby. How you doing this morning? Great. You? Good. This being Sunday morning, it's our usual ritual to get up and enjoy breakfast. What do you have? I had bacon this morning mm. because I was out of gluten-free waffles. Is it always bacon? Usually that's my go-to. I'm not a breakfast person. The only way I'm a breakfast person if I'm out someplace and I get uh, French toast <laughs> with peanut butter and good hot syrup, things like that. I'm just, breakfast is not my thing. Never has been, I don't guess. You know, when we were on our trip cross-country, what was the one thing that I craved and looked forward every day? <laughs> uh, a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> yes, and you have one every morning now. Yes, whenever I got back, I said, uh, and I couldn't find one, you know, by the, because oh, no. the reason is, is by the time you, we got up and had our coffee and visited, uh, all the places that served breakfast sandwiches had uh, cycled out and gone to lunch, and they wouldn't fix one. I mean, you can go through these drive throughs and beg them for a breakfast sandwich, and they may even have a half dozen that they're throwing away, but, you know, it's against the rules, so they don't do it. So whenever I got home... I fry me a, a cut-up onion, and I get some kind of meat, whether it's the leftover meat that we had from the night before, like we had those pork chops, mm, yum. and uh, chop up a little bit of that. Then I put a slice of bread on the grill, on the grill, and it toasts it a little bit, and then I take my fake egg. Ooh, that didn't even sound good. Yeah, you it's uh, it's it's uh, what it, what is it? It's not eggnog. But it's a, no. <laughs> it, it, it's a, Eggnog's a little happier than fake egg. It, it's the egg. It's the egg. The liquid egg that has no cholesterol in it. Yes. And I pour a little bit on there, and wrap that thing up. Take a slice of bread, cut the bread in two, and I've got my breakfast sandwich. And that's wow. my along with a cup of coffee. There ain't nothing better. Well, that's great. I'm glad you got that going for you. CBS Sunday morning. What jumped out? Um, the doctor. I think. The doctor who uh, cares for um, babies who are born with some sort of defects or some sort of problem and how he deals with that through writing music. And uh, as you said a while ago while we were talking about it, watching it, uh, now he may be a, a great writer and he's going to, uh, I guess, record some of his music. And uh, they were saying how brilliant he was. Rich Kruger, described as being uh, one of the greatest of all songwriters in America, and a good performer, too. But I noticed uh, whenever he was uh, closing out his part, he said, they said, why do you like music so much? He said, music makes the world go away. There's a lot of torment in the world. I think there's a lot to be said for uh, music doing that for a person. There's certain songs you can listen to that lift you up and uh, make you feel good. A lot of songs that make you cry and even feel better, probably. Uh, I do not understand how they can just, the songs that he wrote, where that comes from. But I guess that's where my mind went. Then oh. to the guy that, you know, writes the music yeah. and uh, has won all the uh, awards for that. Most nominated living songwriter in america yeah the only person nominated 52 times yeah and the only person who has more is walt disney and they never said that, how many he had <laughs> no they didn't but uh you can recognize the music very quickly whenever you hear that
Afghanistan, of course, big time news. Uh, you know, us pulling out and all the travail that's going on there. But the uh, serviceman Travis Mills, who lost, you know, so much, lost limbs and everything in his fight over at uh, Afghanistan, came back and he had a message for his fellow warriors. Well, we did good. Yes, I thought that was uh, very heart-tugging because um, there he had lost so much. And um, we had just seen before that um, a little addition on what went wrong over there. And um, it's sad to see that uh, a lot of uh, the money that we sent over there was misused, but I guess that's no, you know, no surprise. Um, but it does seem that they must have had people that were inside our realm helping rebuild it who maybe were just like, you know, spies for the Caliban because, I mean, they had to have some inside help for this just to stop. I mean, they didn't even fight. They just walked away. Kind of a waste of lives, I think. Waste of lives and a waste of money. But uh, as uh, Mill said, Americans did provide a good water system uh, in some places, uh, developed schools in other places. Yeah, but then the Taliban certainly doesn't like schools. So, I mean, all the young children that got to go to school probably won't now, and especially the girls. That's um, That's what's sad, that the steps that the people themselves made uh, toward education and everything will probably now be, because Taliban doesn't want you to know anything Mm -hmm. or don't want you to be smart. That's really sad. All the equipment that we'd used to train the uh, Afghanis with, uh, now the Taliban has everything. Can you imagine? Now, not only they don't have beat up trucks to run around in with their guns, they've got all these Humvee things that they got guns on and everything. I mean, they've they've got their whole army now outfitted for nothing. And that didn't happen overnight. That didn't happen the last year. That's been 20 years in the making where the Taliban had infiltrated the military and the government because you saw what the president did, uh, president of Afghanistan, hopped on a plane and left with, uh, what did they say, $750 million. So he's all set up. I think Travis Mills put it in the right perspective whenever he said uh, we should have pulled out a long, long time ago. But I thought his, uh, his little speech was beautiful. It comes best from those who have served there. It means a lot more. Uh, I was kind of impressed with Brent Underwood, a young man who decided he was going to buy a deserted gold mine town, or a silver mine town, I guess it was, and uh, he decided to buy it and to refurbish it and uh, uh, live in it. So he's there with 380 acres. He's living the life. I know, but I was worried about when he said the hotel that he had refurbished uh, burnt down. I was thinking then, was that just by some quirky accident or, you know, did someone do it? Um, but, oh, my gosh, yeah, to be up there. And and he said he wasn't qualified to rebuild anything. He didn't know anything, but he was just learning. And so he's up there now with his kitty cats and a couple of uh, those gorgeous little llamas. He's something else.
A lot of people can flourish by themselves. Cerro Gordo, California, is uh, where the town is, and uh, it was a bustling uh, area back in the 1872, I think they said, that uh, they really became productive. But he decided just to get away, and I thought it was interesting. They said, where is home? And he said, well, Mom and Dad sold our childhood home, so <laughs> Cerro Gordo is my home now. Yeah, this is it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if he was down in those mines looking around and discovered another vein of silver? Mm-hmm. That would really be wild. Yeah. You know what I'm worried about is him slipping or falling or getting hurt and Ooh. incapacitated and by himself. Yeah, because I saw him climbing down that ladder, and, and you know that those uh, braces and things there have got to be old and rotten, and yeah, he could get hurt and be buried alive up there. That's sad. we got to mention Virginia Oliver, the 101-year-old lobster fisherwoman on the coast of Maine. She was a hoot. I wonder, what I wondered is, she always goes out looking that nice when she's doing you know, the lobster um, sorting and everything that she does because she had on a beautiful necklace and she had on her lipstick and her hair was done. And I thought, is she like all the rest of us that she just probably went out with her old sweatpants and sweatshirt before, but she's going to be on TV, so she dolled up a little bit. But she was unbelievable. I mean, just to be able to stand on that boat at her age... You know how rough it is because it's a little little boat. Um, she was something else. Yeah, that was really cute. Yeah, she was out there with her son, and yeah. they asked, uh, who's the boss of this boat? She <laughs> said, I am. <laughs> and yeah, she had, had her name on it, didn't it? Yeah. And didn't miss a day's work uh, in the last, well, yeah. probably 90 years. Uh, of course, uh, that's a beautiful area of the country out in Maine, and that's an area that we haven't been to. No, not on the East Coast very much. We've been to D.C. And really, for me, that's about about it. I like to see that in the fall, they say, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But any place in the fall is beautiful. Always wanted to take you up to Niagara Falls and uh, yeah. show you what Don Tedford and I saw back in the 60s whenever I was stationed at Fort Dix, New Jersey. Uh, we had a weekend off, and we drove up to the falls, and man, is it unbelievable, and we're going to RV up there one of these days very soon. Uh, the cell phone, huge story. Marty Cooper had an idea and put that idea to work, and we have what we have today in the way of cell phones and cell phone service because of Marty Cooper. Yeah, isn't that amazing? that uh, someone thought that up. I did not know that they had to carry those batteries around in a car. And you wonder how for signal, that was just crazy. Yeah, and you wonder people carrying around that big phone all the time. But I do remember when we had, uh, um, well, the telephone at home. You know, I guess everybody's still. I wonder how many people, though, do have a phone in their home anymore. I mean, I can only think of... Two people. And that was my mom's house, and um, we had one here for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I think Deb, Deb Glasscock, has one. Mm-hmm. She still has a home phone. I would bet when you go into a house like today, if you're going to buy a house, that there is no place for a plug-in phone. 
Mm -mm. No, crazy. Yeah, I was thinking probably Kirby. Oh. And Don, although Don uses a cell phone now, but uh, do you do you remember where the where the phone was? Your first phones? Yes, it was on the wall in our kitchen, and it was one of those big jobs that was wood, and it was about two feet tall, and about what six eight eight inches wide, and had the thing where, <laughs> the receiver would hang up on a little arm. Yes, I remember that, and uh, then I remember we kept it in the kitchen after we got a regular phone, a table phone, kept it up by the kitchen, by the sink, on a little shelf, and I remember I would have to jump up on the cabinet to talk on the phone if you wanted to talk very long and set that way, or if you were doing homework with someone or, you know, you had to set up on the kitchen cabinet. There wasn't any... You know, and I thought how inconvenient that was, but we didn't spend that much time on the phone. If you got a phone call, it was about something, you know, that you needed to know or needed to do, not just sitting and talking for a long time. Do you have a party line? Oh, my guess, yes. How many? Um, well, I would say there was probably five or six on our line. I know that um, my uh, aunt and uncle was on it. We were on it. My grandma and grandpa, uh, Payne, were on it. My Aunt Wilma was on it. Um, um, and a couple of other people because we all listened hesitantly, wanting to grab the phone, thinking somebody was calling us. But we had to wait till the whole thing went so that you knew if it was three longs and two shorts. Remember the number? No, I do know that the number that my uh, mom's home has attached to it now is one that they had for as long as I can remember, forever. I think through high school, through everything. When did you get a phone? What part of your life? I don't know. I don't know. You always had it? I'm not sure. I just remember where it was. And I was probably junior. I don't know. I was probably in grade school. I'm not sure. I was in uh, junior high whenever we got our phone. And uh, I remember it being installed. And, of course, there were eight of us kids and mom and dad. And we all had to take our turn. And I was near the end whenever it came time. And uh, our phone number was 2F21. And that was two longs and one short. Uh, the ring. And we were on a 10 party. Uh, line. Oh. And I remember I called Janine Payne. Oh, Any kin to you? Evidently, probably was. She is kin to you. I it? guess. I don't know for sure. Well, There's she's, a lot of different strains of pains. She's uh, kind of like uh, diseases. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like viruses. <laughs> a lot of strains of viruses. That didn't sound nice, and I didn't mean it that way. I just meant there, there was just some reason that we were related to some of them, and we weren't related to others. Now, maybe that was an old thing coming from my grandparents. <laughs> maybe <laughs> you were pick, <laughs> picking and choosing. That's yeah. what you did. Maybe that's what it was. Well, I called Janine Payne, and she answered the phone, and I said, Janine, this is Joe Browning. I've got a telephone. And there was this long pause. Who cares? <laughs> Click. <laughs> 
That was my first introduction to your strain of pains. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That hurt. <laughs> well, it was uh, going right along with my normal childhood, mm. you know. But it was uh, an interesting segment on Sunday morning whenever they uh, talked to Marty Cooper. And I was really impressed with all the advantages that the cell phone has brought forth, and we all know those. But he said the cell phone is going to revolutionize mankind. He said health care, education, and uh, poverty will be in the past. Hmm. And uh, he said we're going to improve our lifestyle unbelievably because of the cell phone. And he said it, we have just begun to establish all the advantages that the cell phone's going to bring to us, or the cell phone concept. Yes, I always think about how things have evolved in my lifetime. Um, but it does, it seems like a lot, but not that much, I guess, because I lived through it. But I always wondered at how much, say, my dad uh, had when he was a kid, and then when he passed away, how much. Um, it must have been mind-boggling, mm-hmm. you know, to go from the kind of equipment <clears throat> that she used in the, on the farm then, and now I meant to go from a horse, you know, pulling a wagon um, to a machine that not only baled your hay, but spit it out on the wagon and you know, just different things like that it was amazing. And even uh, with Kelly, who farms, the things that he has seen since he started farming with my dad at the age of nine, the tractors and the equipment now, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom and Dad would talk about going to see relatives over in Six Mile Township. And it's a full day. It was a full day yeah. of, of, of traveling over there and having a meal and and visiting and and always coming back in in the dark. Imagine that my mother and father flew to New York whenever she was uh, competing for National Mother of the Year and uh, the transitions. But I've always said you and I have lived in the best generation of America. Uh, I think our childhood, uh, I would wish for every child the freedom of being outside with, you know, not the fear and everything that parents have today of having their children out running around and and uh, the simplicity of it and what we did. And uh, every once in a while on the phone, I will see a picture and they'll say, this is when we knew where all of our kids were. And it's a picture of a yard with five or six bicycles in it. Well, that's where all the kids were, the neighborhood house. You know, you you knew where they were and what they were doing. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, we didn't lock our doors. I don't remember locking our doors. Maybe if you were going to be gone for a long time or something. But I meant, you know, it was just uh, a free and easy. It wasn't a scary time. And now I think if we were out walking on the street someplace that was unfamiliar to us, or even familiar, that uh, we would be very aware and alert to watch what's around us. We uh, do have something that uh, kind of helps protect us, and that's called a cell phone. Hey, uh, Haiti. We, we must mention Haiti because 
The scenes we saw today from Port-au-Prince, we walked in that area. We actually were there. Yes, we stopped there on uh, our first uh, cruise. Was it 1980? We also climbed what they call the Citadel and uh, had lunch on top and rode donkeys up there. And I guess, really, if you went back there today, that I bet a lot of things haven't changed that much as far as the living conditions and things of the people. That's really sad, and they've had so much bad things happening, the hurricane and everything, so earthquake, they just can't seem to get a break. You know, the visual that stayed in my mind, uh, we traveled by jetney through uh, from the uh, harbor uh, up to where the donkey brigade was and rode the donkeys to the top to the citadel and had lunch and enjoyed that and came back but the vision that stayed with me as we were coming back we were riding along in our jetney and there were rows and rows of huts uh, little kids out along the side of the road and there's in the front yard of one of these huts were three little kids, and I swear the youngest was probably two, and the oldest had to be no more than four, three of them, and they had fashioned flutes from the bark of trees, and they fashioned these flutes, and they were playing Yankee Doodle, uh, trying to get uh, the Americans to toss out some money to them. But here they were, uh, two, three, no more than four years old. begging with uh, and had the wherewithal to build those flutes to carve those out of the tree limbs but uh, abstract poverty and if you go into the history of Haiti you see that whenever they got their independence France uh, really screwed them over so that everybody in uh, Haiti had to pay so much money continually and it took all the money out of Haiti and they had no chance to succeed. It could have been an island paradise, but uh, the French got their licks in, and a sad part of history, as so much is. I have a tall, about a two-foot-tall statue in my living room. I have a wooden carving of uh, a person of Haiti. I look at that and always remember the trip that we took there and how... Um, how really wonderful it was. Makes me seem a little closer to the people there because I remember, I remember them very much. What was the importance of that four-foot-high carved wooden Haitian old man uh, with a pipe and a and a cane? What was the significance of that particular item? Well, it was my wedding present mm-hmm. from you. Yes. Yes, and um, I got two of them. And uh, I think one of them uh, ended up in a pile of sawdust because <laughs> they told me when I got them I could wake up some morning and it both be because it would have some kind of worms or something in it, which you wouldn't have been able to bring it back then. But uh, we had our boys carrying each one of them for us and uh, brought those back. But I still have I have this one, and he's my, my grandpa, I call him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we used to carry uh, all kinds of things oh, on the right. plane. We had <laughs> we had uh, Aztec calendars that were six feet wide. People on the plane helped us, you know, and we managed to travel uh, very effectively. Yeah, I remember the kids 
Each one of them are the boys, the three boys coming home with bull ships made out of bull's horns. Mm-hmm. They And they were really gorgeous. And so I know they carried some of those on, some really, really fabulous times with the kids on all our trips. Been a good day. Good morning. Uh, should be a good uh, weekend as we get ready for the upcoming week. What do you got? Uh, anything jumping out? Yes, we have to have Augie going to go with him on Tuesday. He's getting his a root canal. Oh, his tooth this time. We yeah. just got his eyes fixed. Poor little guy. He's always having something fixed. And his new glasses are wonderful. Yes. They're just a little bit larger, uh, so you can see his beautiful eyes. I didn't think they'd make that much difference, but they do. I really hate that because he's going to, like, have a baby root canal. You know, sometimes those don't end up very good. I'm worried about him. What are we going to have for dinner? Well, this is Sunday. That's a, just a Panda Express Sunday. So that's what we usually have. So I'll get to get, do battle with the uh, Panda Express mm-hmm. people today oh, and uh, enjoy. So let's have a good one. Love you, baby. <laughs> Love you, hon. Bye.